Welcome to Ahead of the Curve, a breakout investor podcast. Today we're discussing Permafix, ticker PESI. Joining to lead the discussion on PESI is breakout investor Aaron Warwick. But first, a disclaimer. No one on this call is an investment advisor and no one is providing investment advice. This podcast is for information purposes only. Before investing in any, in any company stock, you must do your own research. Supporting materials for today's discussion will be posted in the Breakout Investors Discussion app, which can be accessed via your browser at app.breakoutinvestors.com, or you can download the mobile app by visiting the Apple or Android stores. The application and much of the research content is free. Now to our topic, Permafix, ticker P-E-S-I. So Aaron, could you give us a quick reminder of the business that uh, PESI is in, and then let's talk about what the upside for them is in 2023? Uh, yeah, Primifix is in the business of nuclear and mixed waste uh, remediation. And the company has quite a pipeline of business in uh, 2023 uh, that could, or potential business, I should say, in, in 2023 that could could really lead to some significant growth for them, get them back on the trajectory they were on uh, pre-COVID. Now, this is a company that works more or less exclusively with government entities, right? We're not talking about a chemical waste spill. We're talking about nuclear waste, uh, nuclear submarines, uh, super fun kind of situations. And they've got highly regulated, high skill, high technology approaches to resolving really significant problems. Is, is that fair? Yes, absolutely. Which of course means there's just an enormous barrier of entry into the business. And, um, and permafixes uh, often, they work, so they do work for the government and often uh, they will subcontract out to a larger prime contractor who's working directly for the government. And so they will be just, you know, working for the prime. Okay. All right. So, um, I just gave a few examples. I recall reading, you expect them to get some significant uh, cleanup programs related to uh, nuclear warships that are going to be uh, mothballed. And you, you can't just pull a, a, a nuclear reactor up to shore. You, you've, you've got to contain and um, dispose of critical components. And that's the kind of work that they do, which I suppose leads in. You don't have to get into depth, but one of the things that we're looking at with respect to this company is the Hanford nuclear waste site. Could you just uh, speak about that briefly and provide context for the rest of the discussion? Yeah, the Hanford site is, up in Washington is the largest nuclear waste site in North America. And it's been uh, a controversial place, uh, the cleanup for it. There's been lawsuits and so forth. And long story short, it appears the government is uh, ready to move here at some point in the near future to get that cleaned up, which is going to be a, a probably a hundred year process. Now, just to and clarify, Hanford isn't definitionally a nuclear waste site. It's, it's actually the facility that created a lot of the plutonium that was part of the U.S. nuclear defense program. And as a byproduct of creating nuclear weapons, there is a lot of radioactive material, which is being housed and contained on that site, but that's not a permanent solution. I believe yeah, Hanford correct. is an operating facility, but at some point they've got to clean up this 1940s vintage and beyond uh, nuclear residue, and that's uh, right. that, that's potentially a very big project for Permafix. Yeah, and there's there's 
uh, three different ways that Permafix could could uh, benefit from the Hanford project. I don't want to go into great depth about all of them, but we uh, currently expect that in the first quarter of 2023, the Department of Energy is going to award a big contract to manage the uh, vitrification plant at Hanford. We, uh, Permafix is one of two bidding conglomerates. They would be a, a subcontractor of the prime. Uh, and there's good reason to believe that the prime that Permafix is working with is, is likely to get that contract. But in any case, uh, that would just be one way uh, that Permafix could win. The other, which would be a little bit further down the line, probably next year would be treating the effluent waste, the water that comes off uh, of the actual treatment of that waste. So when you clean up this waste, it creates more waste. Permafix has a facility within uh, 15 miles of Hanford. So uh, another opportunity there. And then finally, uh, the testbed initiative, which would be a huge opportunity, but this is a couple of years down the line. So we don't necessarily need to go into to great depth about that right now. That's a few years from now. Yeah, we don't want to go into great depth, but there there is an idea that vitrification is a v- overly expensive and overly long process. And so the, the magic word for uh, PESI is a grout procedure where they essentially take the waste and they embed it within concrete. They ran a test a couple of years ago. There are some folks pushing for more tests and were PESI to win that contract, it would be very material. But in any case, as you just said, um, no matter what the government decides to do, and they're looking to make a decision soon, uh, it should be an uptake in revenue for Permafix. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, as long as the Hanford cleanup moves forward, it should be a material uh, benefit to Permafix. It's just a matter of whether it increases the revenue, let's just throw out a number by you know 15 to 20% annually, or whether it doubles or triples. Um, so very material. Uh, regardless. Now, this isn't the only thing that's uh, on the radar for a permafix. I believe you've uh, described how government slowdowns in contracting, we've seen this in many places, uh, tech precision being, you know, an an obvious one, uh, where the government's closures or reduction uh, in in, um, work time has really slowed down some contracting and PESI might benefit from a bolus of, of business coming through. Do you expect that to start hitting in 2023? Yeah, I do. And just real quick on the Hanford thing, the way I've been, everybody, you know, you can't talk about Permafix without talking about it. But the way I've described it is that I view Hanford as a free call option. By that, I mean that I think just the underlying business that Permafix has going on out completely outside of Hanford, I think that Permafix is a buy at current prices. So I view this Hanford, you know, and whether it's 15% or 300% increased business as a free call option. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about that underlying business. Um, You know, every company that I've talked to over the last year that has any work with the government, and this includes even local nonprofits, everybody's saying the same thing. You know, a lot of people, uh, the government saw a lot of people retire uh, around the time of COVID. They haven't replaced a lot of them and things have just been slow. Uh, in addition to that, then you had towards the end of the year, the last year that there was uh, there was no budget passed. So the, the passage of the uh, omnibus bill is also something that I think will result in uh, some, some business being awarded to Permafix in the first quarter of 2023. And it should be noted as well that the, some of these things that Permafix has talked about and that I'm talking about, it's not as though Permafix lost any of that business. Um, 
it's just been delayed. Nobody has been awarded that business. It's still that's that waste is still sitting out there and somebody is going to eventually have to treat it. So it's just a matter of um, when the government starts issuing these awards. Do you know uh, of any analyst or is there anybody in our community that's created a model that's, that's tried to project at what uh, PESI should be worth once the business starts hitting and uh, folks start paying attention again? Yeah, I, I mean, I've definitely done that. And I think that uh, I provided about in my evaluation section on my last uh, Seeking Alpha article, um, talked about the company getting revenue up to 150 million, they're around 100 million right now. Um, so you start talking about they, they should have some significant leverage in terms of, of creating some uh, EBITDA once they get to those levels. And, and I'm valuing it you know, right around fifteen to eighteen dollars a share, currently trading at four dollars a share, and and that also has them at one hundred and fifty million having earnings per share uh, around a dollar twenty per share. All right, when you yeah. when you talk about a company having a current realizable value four x where it's trading, the obvious question is, okay, so why is it trading at four? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a number of reasons for that. Um, number one is just the fact that you the company you know, had disappointing year in 2021, which is kind of expected because of the, what I mentioned with the the lag with COVID and, and the fact they had a backlog. Uh, but 2022, they expected things and, and I expected things to pick up uh, with them. It just didn't happen. And so that was disappointing. And then obviously you've got a tough market. And on top of that, I'm, I'm told by uh, people who I trust that there was a large seller at the end of last year, um, who was selling primarily for tax loss purposes. And, you know, you're talking about a stock that's very thinly traded. Um, so it, it really just crushed the stock. Um, and we did see, you know, an, a, a quick reversal at the beginning of this year. It was down the 350 area. It's been back up in the, in the $4 area. Uh, but, I, you know, I don't expect it to go much higher until we hear some news um, from the company. Or, I just you know, point out, you know, it, it's got the characteristics of an ideal microcap in the sense that this is a real business. I mean, this is a very serious business. Right. Uh, they've been around for a while. They're very good at what they do. Uh, it's it's sort of an orphan name. I mean, how many such companies are there? Uh, such uh, What they do would normally be part of a very, very large diversified global conglomerate. All right, so there's reason to appreciate why the stock is down, uh, and there is real potential of a catalyst this year, which will you know will suddenly reprice this thing. And you've suggested that a, f- a fair target is four times where it's trading now. Uh, this is this is really good. Uh, it's it's a great name to be on top of, and and hopefully be ahead of the excuse me ahead of the curve uh, on the uh, watch list feature of the Breakout Investors app. Breakout investors are asked to um, rank companies like Permafix. Uh, do you know, Aaron, uh, do you um, rank it uh, overweight, core, small, or no position? Oh, I, I, I have it as a core position, if not overweight. I would, I would have it probably somewhere between, you know, I mean, the, obviously the, the percentage of a person's portfolio can differ from investor to investor, but I, I have it as a, a really solid core position, if not slightly overweight. Yeah. And and just while you were talking there, Scott, I looked it up. I mean, if you look today, January 19th, just over 12,000 shares were traded. So you're talking about, you know, the liquidity. I mean, you know, that's $50,000 of, uh, of trading an entire day. Yeah. And it and is think- an interesting chart. The, the stock took started downward in August and uh, it, 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 
traded lower and lower right until the end of the year and then almost immediately bounced back up. So your your contention that it was related to somebody exiting the stock and forcing it down prior to the end of the year, that holds up. I mean, so just a reversion to where it was, I mean, that's a dollar on four bucks. It's a 25% move. Uh, right. Seems easy uh, with, with a lot more upside on that. Could you just reiterate, uh, I think you said that you're expecting the federal government to make a decision and an announcement on Hanford in the first quarter of this year? That's the current expectation. Uh, they, it was earlier. They had they had been saying all last year they were going to make the decision by the end of 2022. And for whatever reason, it got pushed back uh, into the first quarter. But there seems to still be that expectation that it will, it will happen. And I've heard it, it'll probably happen earlier in the first quarter than later. All right. Well, we're almost through the first month. So this is uh, fairly imminent. So we'll have to uh, keep our eyes on this and maybe um, act quickly to get uh, our desired positions in. Have you got anything more you'd like to say about Permafix before we close out the podcast? Yeah, I thought this was the direction you were headed when you talked about how normally they they might be part of a of a larger conglomerate. And, and that's exactly what Permafix has been talking about fairly openly. Uh, well, I shouldn't say fairly openly, entirely openly. I mean, even on their last public call, the, the Q3 call. Uh, they mentioned that um, you know that they would be uh, that they are a business that's attractive uh, to larger players, and uh, you know a company the size of, of Permafix, they spend a big chunk of their revenue just uh, on putting out bids for these for these projects, and so you know you can see why they make a lot of sense for a company that has larger scale, and it sounds to me, and this is just me completely reading into the situation, but. It sounds to me like uh, Permafix probably has uh, some pretty interested buyers that are just waiting on this this contract that will come. You know, we hope in the first quarter would be announced. If if Permafix were to win it, it would be you know just a transformative deal for the company. Um, likely would would at a minimum uh, lead to a doubling of their revenue on a fifteen year, you know, essentially annuity. It'd be a fifteen year contract. I would say as well, though, that we it, it'll take about six months after that contract is awarded for this new group to come in and, and for that transition process. So I don't think that Permafix would be bought out immediately, but I think, you know, potentially by the end of the year or so would be would be about the time we would expect something like that to happen. You, have, uh, you and I have discussed this and, you know, from my vantage point as somebody who knows a little bit about the governance issues, the legal um, considerations with respect to public companies, it makes a lot of sense that if Permafix were approached, understanding, if, if, if you start with the understanding that they agree, um, they're at the point in their life cycle where it makes sense for them to be acquired, it you, you can see them getting the, the potential buyer to appreciate that they can't possibly do anything until this free call option, as you've uh, described it, plays out. If they sold the company and then they go ahead and win something like this, it would be a major uh, abrogation of their fiduciary duty to their shareholders. They owe it to their shareholders, and I, I, I believe it would be very difficult for the company to be sold in anything other than a aggressively auctioned transaction. So I'm comfortable with your theory that they have been approached. They understand that they're going to be acquired. Maybe they've got one or two bidders in front of them, but everybody understands that they have to hold off until the government makes a decision on Hanford before the company can be fairly priced. Do you think I've got that right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, part of the reason for that as well is that even if Permafix's group is not selected as the one who would have this service contract, uh, the tank disposition contract, Permafix is still going to benefit 
um, from the fact that the vitrification plant starts to get up and running and, and treating the waste that's created by that. So, um, yeah, they have to they have to have a clear view of all of these things before they can uh, make a decision that's in the in best interest of all shareholders. Yeah, you, you said it well. I mean, from a fiduciary perspective, both sides of a potential M&A transaction should know what they're buying and selling. And so it makes right. sense for everybody to wait and see. Uh, and uh, if this happens in the first quarter, we, we could see the stock reprice based upon whatever participation Permafix will have and then potentially reprice again within a year, maybe this year, uh, should uh, Permafix be acquired. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. All right. Well, that's a good situation to be ahead of the curve on. Thanks so much, Aaron. We are Breakout Investors. The Ahead of the Curve podcast is meant as an easy on-ramp to understanding today's company and the research and collaboration we do. Please join us for discussion on PESI and other small and microcap names with catalysts on our discussion platform at app.breakoutinvestors.com or via the Apple or Android app, which is available in their stores. The Breakout Investor Ahead of the Curve podcast is syndicated and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, listen, and give a five-star review. Some or all the speakers may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. The views in this podcast expressed are those of the speakers, not Breakout Investors. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Neither Breakout Investors nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information presented by this podcast and any liability, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, therefore is expressly disclaimed. No one on this podcast is an investment advisor, known as providing investment advice. Before investing in any company's stock, you must do your own research. Thank you for listening.